Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God here. We study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have been able to do the Old Testament. Right now, we're handling the book of Matthew. We will start from where we ended last time. And that is uh, verse chapter 21 of the book of Matthew. And at this point, we are seeing a triumphant entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. That's where it starts saying, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. He does not send one. He sends two. And that is uh, a message also that comes to us that it's good to work in pairs. It's good to have somebody that you work with. Jesus could have sent one, but with the mission that he was sending them to do, there is no assurance how easy it would be for one person. And probably it would have scared them. Because what is he telling them to do? He's saying to them, here as we read in scripture, he's saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, yeah, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, can you imagine such an instruction? He's telling them, You are going to the village opposite you. They do not know them, they've never stepped in that village probably, and now. They are going there for the first time. And what they are going to do is take a donkey and a colt. And they are going to bring them to Jesus. He has not told them that the person you are going to pick these things from is my friend. He has not told them that the person you are going to take these, uh, these animals from is a relative. Or that we have grown together, we studied together in school. No. He is telling them, you just go. And when you reach there, you will untie those animals and bring them to me. This is a show of complete authority from God. This is a show of excellence in authority. And Jesus is speaking to these people. They did not answer back. We are not told in scripture that the disciples asked him, okay, do you know the person we are going to pick them from? Yeah, did, are you obese? Did you study in the same school? No, they did not ask that. And he tells them in verse 3, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. We read a lot about what Jesus did. We read a lot about miracles, signs and wonders of Jesus, but this is one of the wonders. He tells them, The only thing you'll have to say is, The Lord needs them. And you will have them. There is a word that God is going to give you. And that is the word that you are going to say. And what seems impossible shall happen. 
there is a word that God is going to bring to you that if you just say that word, everything is going to happen. And a miracle is going to come your way. There is a word that God gives you. I tell you, there is a word, and I've experienced this personally, that God gives you. And what seemed like a mountain is brought down. And you wonder, okay, how did I just do that? A word, a word from God. And what he told them here was, just tell them, the Lord has need of them. That is the miracle. The statement they make is the miracle. The word they speak is the miracle. The word is what changes an impossible situation of we do not know you here. Who are you? And why are you taking these animals from us to take them? There is a word that God is going to give to you. And you shall speak in that interview. And you get that job. There is a word that God is going to give to you. And you speak in that meeting. And you stand out from the rest. There's a word that God is going to give you that when you say it, everything is going to seem possible. And I know with lots of commentary that has been done, you have uh, people who come out and say, okay, uh, these people who went, the disciples, uh, when when they went to that home to ask for, for the donkey and colt, the people at home, the master was not there. So they had, when these people come and say the master uh, needs them, they think that he has, he's the, the owner, the real owner at home is the one who has sent them to pick them. But then it would be weird because you would find that these people do not know these two disciples. They've never seen them. How do you just give them anything? Anyone who has proper order will tell you we do not know you. Even if it's our master who has sent you, we cannot give this to you. So I personally take it that this was a miracle. This was a wonder. This was a word that has been given and it will change everything. Jesus tells them, just tell them, the Lord has need of them. And I want to also let you know, this is property that belongs to somebody. But also, we have to understand that everything each and everything that has been given to you does not belong to you. It belongs to God. Each and everything that these men hold dear does not belong to them. It belongs to God. We are just custodians of that which God has given to us. Everything else belongs to God. It is his. And when he says, tell them the Lord has need of them, this donkey and this colt will be untied and given because they belong physically and earthly and probably the owners are these men or this master of that household. But these belong to God. He's in charge. He's in charge of your life. He's in charge of that car. He's in charge of that house. It belongs to him. It might be yours. You might have bought it with your money, but he's the one who gave it to you. So it belongs to him. And the Bible tells us clearly that everything on earth and above is his. It was created by him and for him. So when he makes this order, when he makes this statement, when he tells them to go and pick it, it is for the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. 
May God help us give our lives to him. May God give us the grace to give all that we are to him, that we surrender each and everything to him because it all belongs to him. It does not belong to me. It belongs to him. My money belongs to him. My family belongs to him. My ministry belongs to him. My life belongs to him. My health belongs to him. And it is that when you surrender that which is his and give it to him, that he starts to multiply it, that he starts to use it for glory, that he starts to put you on another level. Because this donkey and colt could have just stayed in that compound. But just like that, these two animals of that household stand out from the rest in the community. Because these, the Bible says, are taken to the master. When you give what you have and what you are and give it to the Lord, when you give that which God has entrusted you with and you give it back to him for his service, God prospers you. From that moment, you are not like the rest. From that moment, you're not like the rest. From that moment, you stand out. You are different from that moment onwards. When we surrender our lives to God, when we give our lives to God, when we give everything that we are to God, our resources to God, he handles them because they belong to him and they shall not be lack. Because we have that feeling that if I give it all, then I will have nothing. But when you give it to God, he will use it for his glory, but you also benefit. I want to understand the mood in that community that evening. When the man whose donkey and colt were taken, is explaining to them what happened. He's probably sitting down his fellow, uh, his friends and fellow villagers and telling them, let me tell you, that man who you saw entering, as we are going to see later on, in such jubilant uh, triumph into Jerusalem, used my donkey and colt. And the testimony that comes alongside this event, we can never know. But it must have been joyous. I don't think he came out complaining that they used them. When God uses that which you are, when God uses the resources, he uses your life, it becomes a good testimony. You start to hear people come out and say, I was broke and God called me and I gave all that I was and now I'm rich. You start hearing people tell you, I was a bad man. I did not know what to do. I, I was messed up. I was messed up in my community. I was messed up in my life. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was addicted to whichever addiction you can ever find. But when God called me and I surrendered myself to them, my life changed. It is because when you surrender it to God, he makes it new. When you surrender it to God, he gives you a testimony. The testimony in that evening, in that village that evening, was about how this man surrendered his animals to do such a great event that has never been seen in the history of Jerusalem. And now, verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. There is a king 
that is being spoken of straight from prophecy. And he says, this king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey. Even on a cold, the fall of the beast of burden. Now, it has been spoken in prophecy that it will come to pass. Wherever Jesus was going, he never used to tell them, okay, prepare a land cruiser for me because I'm entering a city. Wherever Jesus was going, he never used to tell his disciples that, you know what, you need to uh, arrange some special means of movement for me. He tells them on this specific occasion because it is written in prophecy. And it has to be fulfilled. And Jesus must know the prophecy, yes? And he has to see it fulfilled. Because when prophecy is given, it is fulfilled. There's been prophecy that has been given upon your life. And probably you look now and wonder, will this ever come to pass? Was this even true? Weren't they just lying? Wasn't it just uh, this preacher or this pastor speaking uh, words that are not going to happen? I want to let you know, when he says that it shall be, it shall be. If a prophecy has come into your life and they've spoken something into your life, believe it. If they said you'll be married, believe it. If they said you'll have children, believe it. It shall come to pass because it is a prophecy. And I want to prophesy to somebody who's listening today and let you know that you shall have children. It does not matter how old you are. You shall have children and they shall be blessed children and they shall make you happy and they shall bring joy to your life. Whatever suffering that you've gone through, whatever words you've endured, God tells you today that you shall have children of your own womb. A prophecy is made by a prophet. And he says, that king shall come. Jerusalem is receiving a king. It's not receiving just any man. It is receiving a king. And he comes on a gentle, he comes gentle, mounted on a donkey. Of course, when you're coming on a donkey, it's not military. A horse could have seemed a military leader is entering the city. But this one represents gentleness. Represents gentleness of the man that is entering into their city. And this prophecy is seen to fulfillment by Jesus when he comes in. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They go and they brought the donkey and they brought the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. These men do something special as well. These two that were sent. Like our master is only just going to sit. Let us take off our coats that he may sit and have this travel or this movement that is swift. And most of the crowd spread their coats in the road. Now, they did not go back to get the old court. They know about this entry. They've dressed well for it. They get out the best that they have and lay it down for Jesus to pass. When we are giving to God, 
when we are surrendering anything to God, we surrender the best. If I'm surrendering myself to ministry of God, to the ministry of Christ, I give the best. I preach the best. I pray the best. I minister the best. I'll sing the best. I'll go out and reach out to the poor the best way that there is. I'll go and reach to those who are in prison the best way that there is. I'll help the stranger the best way that there is. Because when you are giving to God, you give the best. They didn't go back to look for the old court. One is the one that is torn apart and they can easily lay it down on the dust so that it doesn't get messed up. They take off that which they are wearing and they lay it down. Pass because this is what you deserve. <laughs> Pass because this belongs to you. That which we have belongs to Christ. And I'll say that again. That which you have, that gift that you have belongs to Christ. You give it to him when he demands of it. And when does he demand of it? Every single day. Every single day of my life, God demands the gift that is given to me. Every single day of my life, God demands that I give the best to him because that is the what he deserves. He deserves the best and I'm going to give him the best because that's what he deserves. I don't know what God has entrusted you with. And sometimes God entrusts us with things and we delay. We take long. We have that moment and say, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next year because I'm still in, in school. I'll do it at this point. But if God has entrusted you with something, if God has entrusted you with a treasure, if God has entrusted you with a gift, if God has spoken to you and prophecy has come to you about what you're supposed to do for him, do it now. Do it now. Because that's what he's interested in at that moment. There won't be a better time for you to give your life to Christ. There won't be a better time for you to serve him with all that you are. This is the time for you to do it. This is the time for you to surrender it. So they give their courts and they lay them down. And they say it is time for him to pass. This has never been done for anybody in their lifetime. I can imagine if it's happening today and he's walking and you're laying your coats, whichever designer that coat is, you lay it for him to pass. Oh, will you care? <laughs> I bought this expensively. I can't put it down for him to pass. That is not the point. At this point, they know it's time to surrender to God. So they lay their coats down. And what happens? They also cut branches from the trees and spread them in the road. Now, this, if you're in the nation, I mean, you have seen when there is an event and probably the king is coming. You you see roads being prepared, roads being swept. Yeah, you see people uh, putting up, cutting branches and putting them everywhere so that he passes in a clean place. Now, that is for this earthly king that we have here. Yeah? One who was even created by God himself. Now, how about Jesus? It is done in a better way. For them, they lay coats. I'm yet to see people laying down coats or clothes, taking them off so that he passes here. Probably it has happened, but I have not seen it. But 
with Jesus, it is on a special note. These people regard him as their king and they take him in high regard. So they cut branches from trees and they spread them in the road. Yeah, And the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting. He had a group that was in front of him as he's moving on the, on the, on the colt and donkey. And he also has a crowd behind him. Yeah. And they are shouting. What are they shouting? Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. They are shouting. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. There is this that is going on. That they are shouting. There is that scripture. That they have read about. In Psalms 118 verse 26 that is mentioned there. And they are shouting about this. They say, we are sure this is the man. We are sure this is the man that has been promised. This is the Messiah we have been waiting for. And they go to Psalms 118. And they are speaking, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They are shouting that. And they are saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Of course, that proves his lineage that he is coming from the line of David. So he is the Messiah. And they add on and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. All the city came to a standstill. When a politician is passing through a city during a campaign season, shops close, most especially if that politician is loved or has a following. All shops close down because they want to see him. They want to know what does he carry. Now here came a man. He's not a politician. He's a man who has come from heaven. And he has come for them, for their case. To save the lost. To save those who are afflicted and abandoned. And this man comes in. And all shops close in Jerusalem. Everyone who is selling anything puts it to a standstill. And the city is stirred. Saying, who is this? Some people in Jerusalem did not know Jesus. They had never heard about him. What they are seeing, they are seeing for the first time. They're saying, who is this man? How can he draw such attention? How can he close? They're in the air of the Romans. And holding such processions is not something that is common if you do not have authority. If you do not have authority and you hold such a procession, if I get it in the terms of where I live, you are held by police. Why are you gathering such a crowd? Who gave you permission? Jesus did not require permission. Actually, Jesus did not arrange open people that, okay, you go, there's a group that should go ahead of me, then there's a group that should come after me, I'll be in the middle, and you go shouting this, no. He did not tell them to do that. They do it by their will, because it has been ordained that it will happen. It has been spoken that it will happen, and it will happen at the right time, and this is the right time. When the time has come for it to happen, people will cheer you on, and you won't be the one who has told them. People will go before you 
and speak about you, that you are the one that is coming in that job. And you're going to make that company excellent. People will come and give good report about you even though you've not said anything because the time has come. This was the time for Jesus to enter Jerusalem and nobody was going to stop it at any one point. And this group gets out and they're shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're wondering who this is. But this is a man who's coming to die for their sin. They're wondering who this is. But this is a man who's coming to save them. Somebody may be listening today and wondering who is this person that he's talking about. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the man who is going to come and help you. I'm talking about the man who is going to set you free. I'm talking about the man who is going to help your life. Who is going to transform your life. Who is going to set you free. Your life shall not remain the same when you have Jesus. Because Jesus is in charge of everything. Of your life. Of your situation. He is in charge and you just need to surrender it to him. I do not know who is listening today, but this might be the day that God has set apart for you to accept him, to let him in. And you're wondering, who is this man? Accept him and you'll see a change in your life. Accept him and you'll see things become new. Because when he comes in, things are new. And the crowds, when they were hearing people asking, who is this man? They answered and says, and said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. They are telling them, guys, the one that we are leading here to come before you today is Jesus. And I want to tell you today that he is Jesus, the one I preach to you today, the one I tell you to welcome into your life. Jerusalem at that time is filled with hypocrites, is filled with leaders that are not spiritual and just pretentious, hypocrites. It's filled with evil of all sorts. And as we shall see in the next verses, it is filled with people who are just caring about money. It is the center of worship as was created in the beginning. But then it has been messed up. And all that has to happen is Jerusalem to open itself for God. To open itself to God. And everything shall be well. Give your life to Christ and all shall be well. All those castles shall be broken. All that witchcraft shall be broken of your life. All that hopelessness shall be broken of your life. Surrender your life to Christ because he is begging to come in. Let him come in. And if you're that person today, I want you to say these words after me. Dear Lord, I surrender my life to you. You're knocking on the door. And I open my life for you. I open the door to let you come in. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. 
We believe that the Word of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com.